Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to this month's GPS Training Podcast. It's our 33rd episode. It's actually our April episode. But with everything that's going on at the moment, we're going to launch it in March. As you can see, we're going to do a few more podcasts going forward. So it's our April episode, but we're going to release it at the end of March because from now on, we're going to go to fortnightly podcasts. So on this month's podcast, we have myself, John, and Ian, both from GPS Train. How are you keeping, Ian? I'm keeping very well, thank you, John. Given with, the circumstances, yes. good night very well, thank you. <laughs> we can, yeah, just, with the current circumstances, we're just saying as I just before I came on air, I, I said to Ian, my my moment of sanity in the last ten days was doing a webinar last night. I kind of I sat there and for the first time in ten days, I kind of thought, this is what I should be doing for a job, isn't it? You know, teaching people how to use Garmin Basecamp on their Macs, and it was so nice to be taken away from all the. Uh, the corona situation that's currently uh, cases. So, um, as I've just kind of um, said there, with the corona apparent pandemic that's hitting the country at the moment, it's going to be a slightly different podcast. We've got a really good pre-recorded interview, but it's going to be slightly different um, than what we've had in the past. Um, as I said earlier on, we're going to go to early uh, fortnight podcasts for, for the foreseeable future. We're going to go to fortnightly podcasts because I know many of you will be sat indoors, rightly, uh, isolating yourself away from society. So we thought Ian and I will keep you company, um, hopefully <laughs> not drive you too insane. <laughs> and uh, yeah, keep you, keep you inspired, keep you upbeat. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can get through this thing together, can't we? So without further ado, let's get on today's podcast. First of all, we're going to look at the uh, the current situation uh, with the corona situation and how that's affecting ourselves here at GPS Training and some of the training courses and also look at some of the other options you guys have at home to take on board some of the training facilities that we have here at GPS Training. After last, uh, after our 31st podcast, we've got another interview with Paul Freeman. Paul Freeman, you might remember, did the Spine Challenger race, and we got some really good feedback um, after that interview. Paul's actually a, me- a member of the Mountain Rescue team here in Northumberland, and this time he puts his Mountain Rescue hat on, and we look and discuss what to do if something goes wrong in the hills. This interview is actually recorded um, before the, um, the current pandemic, and it was a really nice, light-hearted, inspirational interview. So again, hopefully it'll just take your mind away from everything that's taking place at the moment. Um, and it's a really good interview. And again, Paul's a, a very knowledgeable um, and intelligent guy and knows a lot about the subjects of being outdoors. Then we have Ian's FAQs. It's frequently asked questions uh, he's been asked over the last month as he's been supporting a number of our customers. To start off with this month's podcast, we're going to look at the current corona. Can I even say it, Ian? Corona. <laughs> Coronavirus <laughs> pandemic, which is what's affecting us here at GPS Training. So, if you've had a course, if you've booked on one of our physical courses at the end of June 2020, you should have got an email from us in the last uh, week or couple of well, in the week or ten days. What we've done is we've made this decision. Originally, it was up to the end of April, Ian, wasn't it? Um, But then we've decided to move that on to the end of June and we've postponed all courses uh, till the end of June. So I can't remember the top of my head. I think it was four, five, six courses, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think something like that. I've I've had a... So we've uh, now 
uh, postponed New Forest course in May yeah. and one on South Downs in uh, June. June, and there was a Peak District yeah. in June, and then there was the one that we were supposed to be doing this weekend in Northamptonshire. There was well, a SAT map and, the, was and a Garmin the, one as well. Yeah, so I think, I think that's about six yeah. in total that we've postponed. Yeah. What yeah. we've done is we've postponed that and we've put everything on, on hold as such. We're going to reschedule those um, once we get a clear um, understanding of what's uh, taking place. But what we've done is we've put that credit back on the system and everybody's got up to 25 months to take that credit. Don't worry, if you can't take it within the next two years, we're not going to fall out with you over. We'll just get you. So our idea is we'll redo that course. If you can't come on that course, we're going to just filter you on to extra courses as we go forward. What we're doing as well is if you have booked on a course and um, it's one of these that has been postponed, when we hear back from you saying you've received the email, we're actually giving you access to our online training, our online resource, giving you free access so you can get yourself going uh, with that training straight away and um, it, so you can kind of get yourself going. So when you come on the course in three months' time or whenever it is, we'll be up and running. And I know, Ian, you've actually spoken to a few of those people directly who have been booked on course and just helped them out with little issues yeah, as well, haven't yeah, you? Absolutely, yes, I say. And why not at this time just to get mm -hmm. everyone ready and prepared for for when we're all allowed back mm -hmm. outside and making the most of hopefully the good weather. And, and again, on behalf of both of us, I must say it's been quite humbling getting those emails back from people, really kind words from everybody, really appreciate those. And uh, yeah, it's been good. So thank you for all your kind words. And I can honestly say the GPS training customers I've now had one negative email or one negative feedback about what we're doing and everybody understands where we're at and we really do appreciate that. Um, we also do webinars and masterclasses. These are continuing as planned. So if you're booked on one of our webinars, uh, which are these online uh, training courses that we do live and also masterclasses, uh, they're continuing uh, through the uh, pandemic. That's not a problem. Uh, have a look on our website and you can book onto one of those if you want to. I said I did one last night for Mac users on Basecamp. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It just took me away from everything that's going on. And uh, we had a really nice crew. Actually, a majority of the were down south. And, uh, and I know they, they're, they're in isolation you guys down there a yeah. week or 10 days ahead of where we are and um yes. yeah, i think they they really enjoyed the the, the relief of, of taking them away from it as well. <laughs> it's, it's a good distraction john if nothing else yeah. <laughs> yeah and then our online resource so we have our online training course our online resource which you can access 24 hours a day seven days a week um that's there if people sign up for it's 50 pounds a year no, had quite a few people sign up to it um, who are sat at home wanting to get scripts to their GPS units there. Ian, you're working in the GPX library in there, aren't you? Have you managed to do much over the last week or 10 yes. days or not? Well, to be honest with you, John, this week we were, we were meant to be away. <laughs> of course we were, yeah. <laughs> we were meant to be away. So I've put it in hold this week because my wife's taken a few days' holidays. But now, so um, as of ne next week, yeah, we'll be... Um, Next Monday, I'll be all all. Uh, whilst my wife works from home, I will find a, a corner of the house somewhere and uh, crack on with the GPX database. Well, it's quite funny actually because it's Wednesday. People, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and in my diary, it flashed up half eleven. Travel travel down to the Peak District because it was yes. also in my diary. Ian and I and Tom from Gone were all heading to the Peak District this evening. I know Ian was going to do a few days earlier, and we were supposed to be filming tomorrow all day long yes. and doing some and podcast stories. Three days of training, and then yeah, and then three days of training. So, but anyway, we're all scattered around the country, uh, and, uh, and uh, that's all been postponed at that moment in time we're 
going back to the training, we're also looking at doing some one-to-one online training. Again, um, as you must be here when we do our podcast or we do meetings, um, Ian and I use Zoom calls all the time, and we do a lot of Zoom calls um, throughout the through the month. So we're looking at incorporating that into some one-to-one training. So hopefully within the next week or 10 days, we're going to have a product on the website that you can sign up for. Um, I'm unsure yet whether it's going to be two hours or half a day. I think it's going to be maybe both those options or one of those options, um, and you can book into a one-to-one one uh, training course so if you are sat at home and we'll do that both on the gps unit because again we can see each other so we can sh- share that unit with it or alternatively we can do it on the route planning software where there's expedition 2 or base camp uh, for the windows yeah. users um so hopefully um that's yeah that kind of covers all the training uh, that we've had to to date gps sales as people may know we are quite uh, quite big in the we're, we're the largest independent retail of outdoor gps units in the country um so we're we're keen and that's that's continuing actually I'm, I'm quite impressed how sales have held up during the pandemic because i think a lot of people kind of think, oh, i get my gps unit i've got this opportunity to learn how to use it so thankfully our sales have held up what we've done over the last week, I don't know if you've looked on our website, on each product page, I do a little video showing what's inside the box. Again, carabiners, accessories, etc., etc. We've done those videos for every product now. It had about 30 of the 50 products had those videos. And last week we did the other 20 videos. So there's over 50 videos to look at. So again, you now get the same experience you would do if you went into a shop. You can look what's in the box, see the unit, see me handling that unit. Other thing we can do is on online consultations, something we've done for a little while now where if you want to buy a GPS unit, we can do a Zoom call with you. So guys, you just set, there'll be a link in the show notes or just email me after the podcast and I can send you a little link. You can you have access to my diary. You can see when I'm, I'm clear and we can just do a little 15 minute or 30 minute Zoom call and we can look at the, some of the GPS units that are available. At this moment in time, we're still posting out for next day delivery. So again, a number of people ringing up saying, well, what's going on? We're, we are a, a um, online business, um, so we are allowed to trade. So we're currently processing orders and they're going out on next day delivery as normal. Um, if you want to keep up to date with any changes, please do sign up to our GPS training newsletter or like our Facebook page. Because if that does change in the future, we will let you know. I've put a bit of a disclaimer here. Just be aware that we are running with a skeleton staff. Um, the majority of our staff are working from home. Um, so there's just literally two or three of us in the office rather than unusual six. So again, just be patient. It's going to be the technical side of things, technical support. I know Ian does a lot of that remotely. Um, but again, if you do ring up and and um, it, we are busy processing orders, again, just be patient because we have got skeleton staff. It's often best to email us and we can kind of answer that, ring you if need be. Because again, the reality is, Ian, is that, as you know, we have four telephone lines coming to the business and there's only two of us sat there. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's Jumping usually the case. Lines, yeah, there's usually another two telephones or lines are ringing <laughs> while the two that are there. Uh, yeah. But as you appreciate, yeah. um, taking government advice um, to work from home, the majority yeah. of our staff, yeah. quite rightly, are working from home. And there's just two of us in the office just to kind of keep on top of processing the orders. So if you want to find more about the products and services we offer at GPS Training, please go to our website, which is just gpstraining.co.uk. The next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is we've got our good old friend, Paul Freeman, back. Welcome back, Paul, to the GPS Training Podcast. Thank you very much, John. It's nice to be back. A bit of hesitant there. Paul, you might remember, was on episode 31 after he did the Spine Challenger race. 
Um, you look a little bit fresh than what you did then, aren't you, Paul? Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've recovered by now. We had, and I've said this in past news, like we had really good feedback on the episode. And um, Paul, as you must be known, is a good friend. Uh, does some guiding here at Shepherd's Walks and does our Map and Compass courses as well as Shepherd's Walks, uh, which you might know is part of GPS training. And Paul and I live in the same village and I bumped into Paul outside the co-op uh, about three weeks ago <laughs> and this where all great business meetings happen isn't it Paul it outside is. the Rothby Co-op that's right or in the pub <laughs> and I was just saying how well it had been received his podcast <clears throat> and um, he said that why don't we do something about you no know, mm. being outdoors in winter preparing for the worst case scenario really Paul's also a member um, you vice leader of the mountain, deputy team leader the deputy team leader of Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue Paul's here with his own hat on, um, so any of his views are his views rather than Mountain Rescue views. Is that the right thing to say, Paul? It is, absolutely. (laughs) But he is very, very experienced, experienced mountaineer, experienced um, walker, and also very good at incident management and this kind of thing. So, first of all, winter and summer, Paul, we're talking about kit, if things go wrong, preparation. There's not really that much difference if it's winter or summer, is there? No, I don't think so, John. The only difference might be... Um, the extent of the kit that you carry but um, you still need very similar kit I think whether that's winter or summer Uh so that's the first thing on the agenda really Mm. kit emergency kit which really you should be carrying with you as you rightly say 12 months a year shouldn't we yeah which are the some of the key things that you would carry with you yeah I think some of the key things um, I would carry on any walk really Uh, things like a plastic survival bag or a bothy shelter, or um, more recently, uh, blizzard blizzard bags. Something really to protect you from the environment. What's a blizzard bag? I don't know. A blizzard bag. A blizzard bag is like a very flash, sophisticated version of a a, a foil blanket, right. except they're made into bags and they're sort of honeycombed and triple layered. Okay. They're designed for outdoor use, and, and we use them all the time in mountain rescue. They're so fantastic. This, these, are, these are something for yeah. if we have an accident to get yeah. inside to keep ourselves. Yeah, warm, absolutely. And again, uh, people underestimate even in summer if you just twist your ankle and you're waiting for help and you're sat on the ground for an hour or two, you will get cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think people don't realize just how cold they're going to get. It's funny because going back to our conversation outside the co-op uh, those weeks ago, I said to you, I said, oh, maybe this should be more of a winter conversation. Mm. And you were actually, I've been to as many people in summer with hyperthermia yeah. than what I have in winter. And yeah. I went, wow, I wasn't expecting that statement. Yeah, so. yeah and I, well, certainly my rule and I think general rule in the team is that every casualty we will deal with will be cold. Right. Whether that's... You know, summer or winter, unless of course we've got some fantastic heat wave. But <laughs> I don't. Really, I think that's a rarity. Because even in summer, you know, we're walking, we're keeping warm, we're yeah. sweating, and then suddenly something happens, yeah. we stop. That's right. And actually, you, you're going to be stopped for hours potentially could be. before help yeah. comes out. Isn't potentially, it? yeah. So a key thing is get yourself wrapped up off the ground as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, certainly something underneath you. That's the key thing, and that's where you're going to lose most of the heat, mm-hmm. sat or laid on the ground. Um, and I've certainly attended to people where they've had lots of stuff on top of them, mm-hmm. uh, but they're still cold, and they're cold because all the heat is going straight into the ground. So if you've got anything, get it underneath yourself or under under the. Person so even if it's a warm day and you got a jacket, actually put it on the ground and lie on that warm yeah, jacket, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, that should keep you warm, really, and and hopefully. Well, 
keep you warm air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, spare hats and gloves, isn't it? Yeah, spare hats and gloves. Again, I think it's um, you can vary that between summer and winter. So in summer, I will still pop in a thin hat and some thin gloves. In winter, I'm going to have my full weight winter uh, hat and gloves. So it's not saying oh, you need to carry the winter kit in summer. It's just that you vary the extent of that kit, really. No, when we're talking about buffs and hats, yeah. and gloves, there's no weight in those in your rucksack. Not really. Your, your water no. and everything else you're carrying, no. is it? So just Absolutely to have, have a bag kit. in there with that kit in, yeah. um, a, a dry bag, because yeah. we don't get that wet getting yeah. wet. Uh, Absolutely. So we need to yeah. keep it. And the only other difference in winter might be I'll, I'll, we'll be carrying a spare set of gloves as well. Yeah. I, because either they'll get wet or I'll lose one or I might need to put those gloves on somebody else. Uh-huh. But the key thing hmm. is first aid, isn't first it? Aid. So first aid kit, um, which is going to be very different than the one we're going to go and buy from Boots to put in the office, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? <clears throat> key things there, blister plasters. I think, that, well, the, the key thing is um, if you're going to carry a first aid kit, first of all, you need to know how to use it. So uh-huh. a bit of first aid training wouldn't go amiss. Um, and then again, <clears throat> I would vary that depending on the nature of what I'm doing. I mean, I will regularly go for a walk over Simon's side. It's out of our back door, basically. Uh-huh. It doesn't mean I'm not going to carry a first aid kit. It just means I might carry a very stripped down first aid kit, but uh-huh. I'm still going to have something with me. Uh-huh. And when you <clears> say something with you, what are the key things that... You uh, I think to- some plasters for things like blisters, um a wound dressing, if uh-huh. somebody falls and cuts themselves, I think would be key. And things like some sort of um, a face shield uh, or face mask for if you have to do CPR on someone. Um, and, and probably at its base level, you've probably got enough there. Uh-huh. A few dressings, a face mask, a pair of scissors, uh-huh. very useful. Um, and... Um, and uh, some a roll or a section of a roll of uh, gaffer tape or which can be used for duct everything tape, there. which can be used for everything, including you know stopping hold, blood flow. Yeah, holding cuts together and, and strapping your arms up, holding your rucksack, holding <laughs> your rucksack, holes in coats. Yeah. In fact, there are some makes of first aid kit that you buy. They actually come with a little roll of duct tape already in them right okay but there we are and the key thing not many people realize is actually things go out of date in first aid they do yeah um certainly dressings which are sealed go out of date and you're supposed not really to use them once they've gone past their use by date they can't right. guarantee the sterility of them right okay yeah. and to replace things it's literally pens to replace yeah. things like that so actually just yeah. keep an eye on it start of every season just go through yeah. make sure everything's in date and yeah. you, you're ready to go. Most things will, you're talking about years rather than right. months will last. Yeah. So check it every year and, and keep yeah, an once eye a year on it. Kind of thing. Yeah. So first aid kit, know how to use it, potentially go on a first aid course yeah. and uh, yeah. an outdoor first aid course rather than. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if you can only go on an indoor first aid course, or maybe you have to do a first aid course through work, mm-hmm. it's likely to be one based on working indoors because that's where the majority of people work uh-huh. however if you get the chance to go on a one or two day outdoor first aid course um the context will always be you are in the outdoors and not inside uh-huh. and usually some of the training as you well know john yes is outside 
Yes. Uh, whatever the weather is doing. Because that's the key thing. You know, Paul's taught my first aid for many years mm. now, and, and the rest of our team have done the mm. first aid with Paul. And the key thing really is when you do an outdoor is, is getting us off the ground. We've done first aid courses in January in the snow, in the dark. Paul revels on the thought of horrible weather, you know, so if you do any training with him, he, he really thrives on uh, horrible days. And actually, even if he had, uh, even it's daylight, he doesn't take that daylight, go out in the dark. And, but actually it's that thing of, you know, keeping the people warm, improvising. It's not, it's, it's yeah. kind of working around that problem, isn't it? Rather than actually, in, I've done first aid many years ago in the local school where actually get in the recovery position but actually if we can't get in the recovery position let's just get that person warm get them off the yeah. ground get them in that bag yeah. let's let's keep them warm isn't it it is and but i think as well as the as the person training in first aid if you do it outdoors you realize how cold you get as yes. well and it, it's all right taking care of the casualty but if you don't take care of yourself as well we're going to end up with two people mm -hmm. that, that, that will then need assistance and and again most people just don't realize how cold and how quickly they get cold mm -hmm. when they're sat around mm -hmm. in the rain or in the snow john good yeah in the snow <laughs> i remember that wet january <laughs> snow by that was goza it was a, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed that actually going mm. out in the dark and assessing and, and, yeah. and using those skills and improvising yeah. and re realizing that actually any help is better than yeah, no help, it is. isn't it? Which yeah. is really good. Yeah. So, we've looked about our kit, we've looked at first aid. Mm. Key thing, next thing is you no know, contacting people. Yeah. We discussed on actually last month's po uh, GPS train podcast about mobile phones, the, yeah. the potential problems of mobile phones, some of the horror stories we're reading in the press yeah. on a daily basis. I know you guys use the spot at Mountain Rescue. Um, we use also InReach yes. Minis. We've now got InReach yeah. technology on, yeah. on some of the GPS yeah. units. Um, mobile phone. Yeah. Is is there things we can do to our mobile phones to give them better use in the outdoors? Yeah. First of all, put it into a waterproof case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we go back to uh, Paul doing the Swine Challenger race here with his so-called waterproof <laughs> phone not yeah. in a waterproof case. Yeah. So put it into a Ziploc bag or yeah. get a waterproof phone case. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is make sure it's fully charged mm -hmm. and then um, either turn it off and leave it off until mm -hmm. you need it or if you are running software intermittently on it you know in order to help find your route if you're running mapping software make sure you shut everything else off and try and conserve the power um, it certainly would be worth depending on you know how long your walk is and where you're going consider carrying a supplementary uh, power pack as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. I think um, and there so is, I we think can, some basic things there, really. And we can register our mobile phones to get to, to yeah, is it, you made us, I can't remember what it was now, Paul. It's the 999 tech system. 999 tech system. Yeah, so um, certainly when I train people, I encourage everyone to register their phone with the 999 tech system. Okay. Um, it takes a few seconds. And what that means is if you can't make a voice call, you may be able to get a text out Mm -hmm. um, because often, uh, as you'll know, sometimes you try and send a text and it buffers and then it goes, um, even when you can't make a voice call. And there is a system for contacting the emergency services via the 999 text system. But you need to register onto the it's system. It's preferable. You could register at the time when you really <laughs> okay, need it. Right. But I would suggest it's better to register in advance and then your phone's registered. And when you come to send a message... 
you're not having to mess, mess about trying to register at the time as well. Right. I'll put instructions of how to do that in the notes underneath the podcast. Yeah, or you can just Google 999 text and right. it'll come up. It's very, very simple to do. And then we can just send a text rather yeah. than that will go to the 99 emergency yeah. services. Yeah, I think some of the things about using your mobile phone in an emergency is um, there are places where you won't get a mobile phone signal and you won't even get a text out, mm-hmm. even in Northumberland. Uh, but simple things like walking uphill mm-hmm. often will pick up a signal. Um, very simple things like turn your phone off and turn it on again because when it reboots, the phone will attempt to latch onto your provider's signal if there is one. Uh, even doing simple things like moving a few meters or turning around. And of course, check to see if anyone else in the group has got a phone with a different provider mm-hmm. and have they got a signal. So the key thing there really is, uh, uh, so an accident happens, we need to yeah. get our casualty yeah. warm, get them comfortable, yeah. and <clears> then <throat> see if anybody else in the group has got a mobile phone signal. Yeah. If not, head up ground yeah. and, and get that mobile yeah. phone signal and, and call for help. Or if all else fails, you'll have to do what we used to do in the olden days, which is two people then have to leave and go and find a landline somewhere. Mm-hmm. Down in the valley bottom, or like valley it. bottom or a farm. You say two peoples. Yeah. So would you leave a casualty on the road? No. You prefer. <laughs> Obviously, it depends how many people are in the group. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal world, two people with the casualty, mm-hmm. and two people going for help. Right. There are incidents where one person has gone for help, and then the person going for help has had an accident, mm-hmm. because obviously they're maybe in a bit too much of a rush or anxious about their friend and they have an accident so prefer preferably two people going for help as well mm-hmm. and then we have the two-way satellite communicators that we've got at the moment which are the spot three um yeah. um the spot three gen which is yeah. the, um, the one that y- you guys have been yeah. using really cheap you know it's like 120 quid yeah you know, little orange yeah. things sticking on top of your rucksack yeah. you can send messages and you've got yeah. an sos button yeah. there as yeah well. a great bit of kit um, we use them all the time phenomenal battery life um mm. contracts are very very reasonable for them yeah. as well do you know it's mm. they're not they're not they're not no. expensive no, and even all the time. for a casual walker it's it's it's, it's maybe something nice for your <coughs> Christmas presents or your birthday presents, isn't it? Yeah, um, I certainly, when I go, I mean, I do a lot of solo walking um, and I now carry my spot tracker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I usually also let somebody know that I've got my spot tracker on. Um, so, yeah, I think they are a good a good piece of insurance. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the inreach mini which is mm. garmin's equivalent slightly higher contract really nice little device two-way satellite communicator mm. now and they've got the gps map 66i and 86 which has this technology built in which again two-way satellite communica- communication um very very similar in the spot um and, and just, are you getting many people now calling you he's shaking his head have you had any or not no that's quite interesting so it's quite a it's a limited well, marketplace now, word, but in, in limited people are potentially using it then. Um, yeah, I can only speak from my own experience. The only people I know with them have been going on expeditions to really remote places. There are some youth groups and Duke of Edinburgh groups and people, I think, looking at those. Um, but I haven't personally come across anyone using those, and mm-hmm. we certainly haven't had yet a call out with Mountain Rescue in our area anyway, made made through one of those mm-hmm. but i'm sure the day will come and i'm sure the day will come when someone will put voice calls 
into the GPS unit as mm -hmm. well. I'm sure that's going to then come. Can do that. Key thing also going back to our mobile phones. I kind of I forgot to mention this. Actually, what do, what do we dial and what do we do if we want? If yeah, so. If you're off-road or in a difficult-to-access place, you've gone for a walk somewhere, um, dial 999 and ask for the police and tell them you want mountain rescue. Right. Okay, so the police will then coordinate all the resources necessary. Um, if you phone 999 and ask for an ambulance, um, the ambulance service may dispatch an ambulance and then realise actually it doesn't go off-road. Uh -huh. um, so that's a difficulty and then there'll be a delay contacting the police and then calling mountain rescue uh -huh. so phone the police first um, they will dispatch or tell the ambulance service anyway uh, but they will also inform us what information yeah. should we be giving to the um, <coughs> 999 services of Uringo? the key thing is an accurate location okay uh, preferably a six-figure grid reference okay with the two-letter map prefix. Okay. Now, this is a GPS training podcast. We have GPS units. We can give you a 10-figure grid reference to that GPS unit. Yeah, absolutely fine. We don't have a problem with that. An 8- or 10-figure grid reference from a GPS, absolutely brilliant. However, if you are using a GPS to give us that grid reference, please make it clear that it's a GPS reference mm -hmm. so that we understand where all the numbers are coming from and it's not an operator mistake right. or lost in translation somewhere along the line. So if we give me a 10-figure, we say, this is a 10-figure reference from a, GPS. from a GPS unit and then yeah. you go, brilliant, that's accurate. Yeah. We can use it rather than actually there's been an operator mistake here and actually these yeah. figures are all jumbled up, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. And also, along with that grid reference, we need a description because, again, we can then marry where you think you are with the description and whether or not those two things match. Uh -uh. Um, and now, invariably, even though you might give us a very accurate grid reference, we'll probably use our um, technology that enables us to bounce off your mobile phone um, and tell us... Uh, confirm where you are to within a few meters right so you have then the technology if yeah. you make a phone call yeah um is this mountain rescue yeah. or the emergency no, it's mountain? mountain rescue only mountain rescue have that technology right and basically what happens is if we've got your phone number we will we will um we will try and phone you one of the things we'll do is to say make sure your um, gps is on on your phone mm -hmm because we're about to send you a text message and an email. When you get the text, open the text, click on the link, and when you do that, it will come up, you will come up as a, a live dot uh -huh. on our mapping software and give us a very accurate um, location, but also it will tell you where you are as well. Right. Okay. We have had incidents where people have given us a grid reference and then we've bounced off their phone and then discovered it's wrong. Right. In fact, I can remember um, a case not so long ago, just locally on Simon's side, where the casualties grid reference and our fix on their phone, there was a kilometre difference. Right. Okay. Which at night time, on the back of Simon's side, as mm -hmm. you can well imagine, John, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to waste a lot of time looking for someone. 
So talk me through this scenario then. Right, yeah. okay, I've got an accident. I've got a casualty yeah. down at the valley bottom or yeah. we're climbing up a mountain. Uh, no mobile phone signal. I yeah. get my grid reference of where the accident is on my GPS unit. I walk to the top of the hill and get a mobile phone signal. Yeah. I ring 999, ask, ask for the police, police, and they'll put me through and they'll yeah. need mountain rescue. Right. So you're going to uh, give... Am I finished at that point? Do no. I go back to my casualty or no. stay up on the There's top? some other information we'd like, as well as that accurate location, we'd like to know... Um, what the incident is okay. and who it's involving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, it's a walker and they've hurt their ankle mm -hmm. uh, and they can't move. Uh, we'd like to know what kind of level of equipment they have. Are they well equipped or limited equipment? We'd also like to know how many other people are there as well. Mm -hmm. Because if the weather's really bad, for example, we, we need to anticipate and it's happened where we've got the original casualty and then we have bystanders who are also all getting very cold. Mm -hmm. So we need to prepare for that. Right. Um, so once that's happened, what will happen? The police will take that. <clears throat> that will come through to mountain rescue within seconds. Um, our first, the first thing we will try and do is phone the person making the call in the first place so and this used to happen fairly quickly very right? quickly mm -hmm. within a few minutes really Brilliant. um so once you've made that call to the police don't suddenly then disappear mm -hmm. and lose signal again wait for a while until mountain rescue call you um and then get further information and they then will tell you what to do and that may be go down, tell everyone that helps on the way, and then come back to where you've got a signal. Mm -hmm. We may arrange a calling system, so we'll fo we'll phone you back every mm -hmm. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or whatever it is, but don't suddenly ring off and then run away. <laughs> <laughs> I always smell <coughs> things. These things will have happened in the past. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Isn't it, really? Yes. Uh, all the, in fact, it only just a week last Saturday, we had a very um, difficult and, and quite a nasty incident in a location where there was no signal and somebody raised the alarm, but we needed more information. And unfortunately, they'd moved out of signal again. They'd mm -hmm. gone back to where the casualty was, which is understandable, but doesn't help us when we're trying Because I suppose you, if, you, if you lose the people, it's now yeah. into it's such a rescue, isn't it, rather than yeah. just rescue? So and, and the other thing is, if they do move having made that phone call we can't double check their location by mm -hmm. by bouncing a text message off their phone mm -hmm. um, so yeah don't suddenly disappear good so make our casualty nice and warm make sure yeah. they're comfortable potentially two people go for help if that's, if, possible. If that's possible if it's possible again don't uh, leave the casualty but if you can send two for help exactly right go up the hill yeah. get a phone signal call yeah. for help if we've got a spot three or we've got yeah. a 66i we've got sos buttons on yeah, those things those. which will press things and we're looking for a grid reference and a description of where, where we are, are casualty potential problems number in the group yeah and any other information. Well, what kind of equipment what people have got. What equipment have got. Yeah. That's the kind of information we yeah. should be saying yeah. to the emergency services. Yeah. We're ring 999, please, and then ask for answer yeah. rescue. Yeah, brilliant. There we are. So I think that's kind of covered the yeah. subject, has it? I don't yeah. think there's anything um, else you want to cover. No, I don't think so. Good. Mm, that's brilliant. No. So, Kit. Well, may, maybe there's just one, Go on. one thing, which is... Um, 
we are terribly relying on mobile technology and GPS units, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Nowadays, um, but um, certainly if you're on your own, or, or maybe if there's just a couple of you or whatever, it is still worth making sure you leave details of where you're going and what you intend to do mm-hmm. with someone, because that that's a fail-safe, really. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we do get incidents where people are not they're missing we can't contact them by mobile phone but somebody has been told where they are and that just makes life so much easier mm-hmm. so don't well, forget I always, those kind of things I, well, I do and again I always say to yeah. our customers is no a lot of us guys using GPS tunes are going to plan our routes on the computers before it mm. goes you know um, in Garmin Base Camp yeah. or in, in the um, yeah. Expedition 2 of a satellite yeah. regions no I always plan my route on that print out a copy mm. and just leave it just i have mm. to say to my wife there's my route yeah, she yeah. never looks at it no. she doesn't care where i go no. to be honest Paul, does she except no. if i don't come home with a pub run with no, her or something. Right. but <laughs> but um therefore i always say then there's a copy with it i stick to that route if i leave that route i actually will notify i'll, I'll yeah. i've got an in-reach yeah, yeah, technology yeah. so i'll send a message and this way i'm leaving the route here i'm back on the route now yeah. And I always say, then it kind of keeps her updated on you know, where yeah. I am during my walk. And then if something happens, she can say, I think he was about eight miles into the walk when I last yeah. had contact yeah. with him. I think uh, that's fantastic. I think the only thing I would add is, along with that description of where you're going, you need to have agreed a time... That we're back. That you're back. And if you're not back, the person you've told has to instigate the phone call because what happens often is you you say, oh, we'll be back at six o'clock. You're not back at six o'clock, so the person waiting for you thinks, oh, they'll have just gone to the pub. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, oh, eight o'clock. So I'll expect them home about eight o'clock, and they don't arrive at eight o'clock, and they say, oh, they've probably stopped at the fish and chip shop on the way home, mm-hmm. and then it's 10 o'clock, and then they start to get worried. Mm-hmm. And the key thing is make the call you won't be criticized absolutely not for making a call with good intention mm-hmm. so if it gets to six o'clock and that's the agreed time you make the telephone mm-hmm. call so that should be agreed before you leave that yeah. i will be back at by six thirty yeah. at the latest yeah. if i'm not back that's you know it. what you should be make doing the call i make the call um what will happen then is it'll come through to mountain rescue will contact whoever it is you've left the original information with, will attempt to contact you, will we'll assess where you've gone, what the weather is, whether or not we, we do need to stand by for a couple of hours and see if you turn up, or whether or not we need to turn out and come okay. straight away. So don't worry about uh, troubling the, the mountain rescue team or whatever. That's what we're there for. Mm-hmm. Make the call. We'd rather have an early call and discover six, seven, eight hours later that there really is a problem. You'd rather have that heads up at 6.30 yeah. Yeah. rather than that midnight... Um, that Dragging me out of bed at midnight. midnight. Yes. <laughs> and now, potentially, you've, you've, you've got hypothermia, the whole situation yeah. spiraled worse. Uh, uh, yes. Where, actually, if you'd known at 6.30, you may get an hour or two, but actually some part, part of the team may have headed out at 8 o'clock yeah. just to do a wrecking yeah. and make sure everything was... Yeah, we wouldn't... Um, we might not necessarily deploy the whole team, but planning and, and various other things, drivers will be on the move... We will have uh, checked how many people are available if it goes to call out. So there's a lot of work goes on, even mm-hmm. if we don't actually leave the house, mm-hmm. just in case. But make that early call. Mm-hmm. 
Rear. Another key thing, as I just summarised there, was actually uh, this is something I picked up. You know, like switch that mobile phone off. If you're not using that mobile phone, you know, mm. potentially let's yeah. switch it off, save that battery, put it in your yeah. aqua pack, put it in your waterproof yeah. bag, yeah. and use it for yeah. that, rather than actually what's happening to your yeah. friends when you get those signals yeah. around. Um, however, I mean, another good tip, um, and uh, we certainly do it, is um, buy or get a hold of um, a cheap standard text and call only mobile phone yeah, yeah. that doesn't have um it's not a smartphone oh. and it, it doesn't have a million and one apps running on it um and uh, lots of people have you know the old classic nokia if you mm -hmm. remember those and my mm -hmm. wife's we still use one and it's just in the bottom of the bag for emergencies mm -hmm. and it has a battery power of about three weeks yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just there for emergencies, and mm -hmm. that's worth thinking about. And those things are literally, you can yeah. ask for nine ninety nine. Yeah, and I know. You. Yeah, and it pays you go. Pays you go, same, you know, stick it in yeah. there. As you say, charged up every couple of weeks, yeah. and, and uh, you've got something that yeah. you're, you're out for days. And a, a lot of very experienced people will just have a really cheap phone in the bottom mm -hmm. of the rucksack. Ah, great the only other thing I would add, if I can, John, just while we're talking about mobile phones, is in wintertime, is be aware that the battery on your mobile phone in very cold weather will get depleted very quickly. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple of well-reported incidents last winter where someone's mobile phone basically went dead mm -hmm. uh, because it was left in the top of the rucksack during winter weather. So, so potentially keep the phone closer to your yeah, body then? Yeah, keep it on an inside pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, where it's nice and warm. We've discussed this quite a lot, you know, like mobile phone batteries in cold weather is just, just horrendous, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. Absolutely, just, they just die. Yeah. They literally they just do. die and in front of your eyes. They don't totally. fade, they just <laughs> they die. die. straight in front of your yeah. eyes. So keep it yeah. next to your body. And that's why I say the thought of just switching it off and keeping yeah. it there, you know, you still lose power. But actually, yeah. if you do need it, you do yeah. need it, rather than actually checking your social media where, or yeah, whatever yeah. you do when you're out yeah. and about. And, yeah. and the thing with mobile phones is when you've got no mobile phone signal, it mm. destroys your battery life, doesn't it? Mm. It absolutely just eats mm. into it. Yeah. And that thing potentially could save your life yeah. if you've not... Or somebody else's Or somebody else's life. Yeah. That's the other thing as well. We're going to think is actually we may come across an instance and actually you may be the most experienced person yeah. to, to handle you, that instance. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that, that does happen with with a degree of regularity mm -hmm. um, where somebody else comes across an incident mm -hmm. um so yeah it is important mm -hmm. yeah. and just to finish off mountain rescue mm. volunteer-led organization yeah, as well. uh 100 volunteer-led mm -hmm. um no funding from central no central government, government funding no a different picture in scotland right uh scottish government over a number of years has been putting some core funding Mm -hmm. into mountain rescue but no uh our own team northumberland national park we turn over around fifty thousand pounds a year mm -hmm. um, and that's notwithstanding capital expenditure like new vehicles um, and we raise all of that money mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah. make your donations you know you guys just google your local mountain rescue and um and and put your car details in and and, and uh, when you ring that nine nine and ask for police you can say actually you know I actually gave them ten quid last year so I'm happy for that and I know because we raise a fair bit of money for Mountain yeah. Rescue some of the events we do and and mm. personally I do as well is you no know it's 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 just that insurance policy isn't it really and and without you guys there do you know well God knows what happened wouldn't know. it really don't know what would happen. So get yourself in there, donate a little bit of money, it all helps, even if it's just a few pounds, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah.
So thanks, Paul, for joining me on this. Pleasure, uh, it's John. It's been a, uh, an, an interesting chat, um, informative chat. I expect nothing less. Good. And, uh, yeah, there's only more. I'll put some stuff in the in the notes underneath the podcast. Uh, if you've got any questions, I'm sure Paul would be happy to answer them. So yeah, I'll uh, just email um, office at gpstraining.co.uk and I'll forward those on to Paul. You can have direct communication or you'll forward them on to the relevant person who could help you out within the organisation. Thanks, for Paul, for joining me on this month's GPS Training Podcast. Okay, thanks, John. The next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is Ian's FAQs, the frequently asked questions you'd be asked when he's been delivering courses, which he's not done many over the last <laughs> few day, weeks, and also um, when you've been support questions for the GPS training customers. So, Ian, um, there's been quite a few questions coming in, hasn't there, I think? As yeah, there sat at home have, John. And actually, some, you know, one, one that came up on my course, which I did a couple of weeks ago, literally just before we all started staying at home so that was lucky for us and for the guys who came on the course um and then i had a very interesting um satmac question by a prospective customer right um which i was pretty sure i knew the answer to but was sometime since i'd looked at it um so looked at it further and so yep so we've got good two good questions and then just a very quick question about uh, um the phoenix watch as well Brilliant. one of our customers so yeah yeah so, so we we'll start off with the garmin then garmin gps yep. first of all so the question is how do i change the track color on my gps as i can't see it very well and probably my first thing john is the good question to garmin why is it that they set it to this light blue color that you can't see in the sun uh, i just <laughs> I think in Garmin Basecamp, it's grey. It's this dull grey, isn't it? Know, so uh, it's not the best yeah, of colours, yeah. is it? But anyway, um, yes, as I say. So, um, and, and bizarrely, um, despite the fact that most customers will have some form of ordnance survey mapping on their GPSs, I find, I think, well, we all find that the best colour is red, uh-huh. which is a bit counterintuitive, bearing in mind that um, it, it's not, you know, because of colours of roads on, mm-hmm. on audience survey. I think, well, it doesn't stand out very well, but it does stand out very well. Having said that, um, and I do say with great respect, quite recently, um, I had a gentleman on one of my courses who was colourblind. Right. I actually found that the um, light light blue was easier for him to okay. see, which is, which was, a, you know, it was an interesting conversation we had, you know, when I was advising people, change mm-hmm. it to red. Mm-hmm. But actually, he was saying to me, I'm going to keep it blue because, and and you know that's fine. But I think generally most people find the, a change from this light blue color that yeah. you can't see in the sunlight mm-hmm. is is change it to red. And basically, what we're talking about is the track color, this little um, breadcrumb trail yeah. that comes out the back of the uh, blue triangle, which is us mm-hmm. on the screen. Assuming that people are recording their track. Yes. So for you to see this. And we do get this answer asked many times. I haven't got data of my walk. I can't see where I've walked. Da, 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 da. The reason is, is because they haven't started the track recording in the first place. Yeah. So the assumption is that the track recording has been started on their GPS. Yes. That is the first. So that has to be an assumption. And basically, it's the little breadcrumb trail that records the land or the roads that someone cycled down um, in whatever acti- or whatever activity they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and depending on what sort of GPS you've got, to get to change this light blue colour to a colour that you can see um, depends on what uh, models that mod- model GPS you've got. Um, 
and I realized just sort of like on the list of what we've done here I haven't included the uh, the Montana but actually it's the same as the 62 and 64 off the yeah. top of my head mm -hmm. um, for how we set it so we'll cover that so uh, anyone who's got Montana and saying we've forgotten about you we haven't well I have in my notes to John but um, <laughs> <laughs> but we it's it, it is the same as the 62 and 64 um, so let's start off with that as we're talking about it so basically for the 62 64 or the Montana GPS is um, the way to change the cut the track this track color to a different color is to go into the setup mm -hmm. of the GPS um, and under the ops, you've got one, uh, a little icon in the setup that says tracks. Mm -hmm. And at the very bottom of the um, list of different options within the track settings, you've got a little window with the color of the track shown. And invariably, more often not, it will be the light blue color. Mm -hmm. So if you just tap on that color, you get a long drop down list of all the different colors you can have. And with all the GPS, it doesn't matter which one you have, the red color is up towards the top of the mm -hmm. list. Um, so you don't just think that whatever you can see is all you've got. You can scroll, scroll up and down through that menu. Yeah. Will, you will find the red somewhere. So that's the 62, 64. So you go into the setup, track icon, and then the last little window within that this track setting is the little window for you to change the track color. Brilliant. So that's 6264. So E-Trex Touch Oregon is another unit that's very similar, aren't they, to each other? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I say the changing that color is exactly the way you change it is very similar. Um, so if you go into the track manager, then you find the current track, which is always the very top mm -hmm. option within the track manager. And when you tap on that, you get a little four little icon menu icons at the top of the screen. And the second from the left or the third from the right is the icon with a little eye. Mm -hmm. And when you tap on the eye, you will see um, the very one of the very top options. It says color, and again, it'll show whatever color it's set to. Tap on that drop-down list of all the colors and change it to whatever. Just when you is. say menu icon, it's quite interesting because we both deliver courses, but we don't deliver them together. I always say the tabs across the top, and it's funny you say menu icons, because, it, again, it's quite amusing, because we say the same thing every weekend to the same yeah, people. Yeah. And you say, <laughs> and I always say, you know, I say the same thing every weekend when I deliver a course. And it's, yeah. when we go into, like, track backs, I always say it's the tabs across the top, and I go, menu icons? That's what he's talking about. So actually... <laughs> There you are. So if you're on a course with me, I will yeah. say there's tabs You'll across the top in the track manager. With menus. Ian, the icons across the top. <laughs> so maybe, uh, maybe, maybe uh, Ian's a little bit uh, more sophisticated. I think they're just nice tabs they are across the top. You see. So, uh, I'll think of that on my next course, John. We're confusing. We have uniformity yes. now. I, I'm, I'm going to swap to icons and you're going to swap to tabs. <laughs> I can see exactly that happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that was E-Trex Touch and the Oregon range as well. So, 66S again. Um, right, so for, the, for all the 66s, um, if you press the menu button twice to get into the main menu, uh, then there's a little icon that says recorded activities. Then you go into the current activity. And again, when you're in the, um, I don't know if you want to call it the I. The <laughs> Actually, I've missed that step off on my little notes here, John, but basically you go back into the menu uh, option with the little eye or the tab yeah, on the top, that's the right. eye tab. Uh -huh. um, and then um, what you then do is um, you press the uh, menu button again. Mm -hmm. um, it took us, when they brought out, Garmin brought out the 66s, I think it 
took me probably about an hour to find out where to do it because it's like well hidden it's mm -hmm. not where it is you would have thought it was going to be in the 62 or 64 um so you press the menu button and um you then got an option that says a sub menu item comes up and it says set color right okay brilliant so that's the 66s so if you want to change the track which is that breadcrumb trail we see on the screen as, as we're walking uh, we can change that to a more prominent color and that's how we do it so i'll actually put those in the notes if you're listening online i say i'll put it in the uh, podcast notes and then you can follow those through so sat map question i've actually seen this quite a few times asked on our on our software so we have we have software that comes in and then we allocate our emails to the relevant person i've seen quite a few people asking i think even pre-purchasing satmap active 20 saying can yeah. they plan something on a tablet on expedition 2 and then send some active yeah. 20 in isn't it so yeah. it's quite yeah. a common yeah. question i mean it's always been there but uh since expedition 2 came out but probably about this time last year it it it's as if um I don't know, probably from someone from one of our contacts in SatMap will be able to answer this, but it wasn't quite connecting to the right. So when you did it online mm -hmm. via Safari, if it was on an iPad um, or whatever browser you use on a tablet, um, it, it, the, the, the saving tabs and or going back to the forwards, weren't just they weren't operate didn't seem to operate properly right and it, yeah. it's clearly because of the upgrade of expedition 2 so when i was asked i was asked this question about two two weeks ago or so mm -hmm. and i thought well i know you can do it but it's never really worked very well so i thought right i'm going to try it so i did and it works per absolutely works perfectly. Brilliant. very good absolutely good works perfectly now so it's as if something's been you know with the way that the um expedition 2 interacts with a browser on on a, a tablet or ipad um, it just it just works. Mm -hmm. um, so what you need to do is this, and again, I know that you're going to put the full um, sort of like step by step instruction on uh, the notes afterwards for the podcast. Um, firstly, you need to so log into your Expedition Two account on the iPad. So like as if you're logging onto a computer, mm -hmm. go to the website and just log yourself in, and you get exactly the same screen as what you'll get if you're looking at it on a computer. Um, the next thing I would suggest is is that you then go into your uh, you go to your Active Twenty to the uh, GPS, and you just need to make sure that there are a few things set to for this to work, because the plan is is that once you've saved it in Expedition Two, um, you can effect effectively use the um, uh, an option within the Active Twenty to fetch the. Yeah. the route or track from it. So you really save it into the cloud and then drawing it back yeah. onto your and GPS. And then you're drawing so. it back onto the GPS. That's it. So the the things you need to have set to do this is um, there's there are 41 items, menu items, within the setup of a Active 20, um, which you access via the main menu screen. Mm -hmm. And so the item numbers that are of relevance are, is item 6. So you've got to make sure that your Wi-Fi is on. And there's the next option down below is it says Expedition to Connectivity, and you've just got to select the live site. Right. So that's, so that's kind of you logging into your cloud, isn't it, really? I suppose. Um, well, part of it, yes, because in another setting, um, which is item 39, that's where you're logging in. Right. So uh, item 39, which is says enter username, it's within there you're putting your username and password that you, the same one that you use if you were at a computer brilliant fantastic yeah okay. mm -hmm. so that's that bit um and the other thing is some people may 
not see so when they scroll through all the screens on an active 20 if you're missing your wi-fi screen because you've obviously got to log log into the network mm -hmm. wherever you are to do this um then again within the settings of, from the main menu screen um option 35 if your wi-fi screen is missing just select the wi-fi screen as one of the main screens that will scroll through the active right. 20. Okay. So that's nothing just to remember. So, um, basically, once you've got that all set up, then all you do is, um, again, from the main menu screen, you go into the folder option, which is on the right-hand side um, of the options, one of the tabs that you can tap or press with the button on the X20. says folders, and you get three options. You get internal storage, SD card, and Expedition 2. Mm -hmm. So highlight Expedition 2 and select it. And then because your GPS is now effectively talking to the Expedition 2, um, your Expedition 2 account in the cloud, yep. then all the folders that you've got set up in your Expedition 2 in the cloud that you will, would see on your computer normally, you will see on your GPS. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. So once you've got into the folder, just find the folder that you've saved your, your route or whatever mm -hmm. it is, select it then you'll see your route displayed within the folder um, and then from there you've got an option um, that says fetch so that's this point you're fetching it out of the cloud right and putting it onto the gps um, and then once it's in the uh, active 20 um, it goes into the imported data folder so you'll see within the internal storage a set of folders mm -hmm. and it it gets stored, it, you fetch it, and automatically it puts it into the imported data folder. Brilliant, fantastic. Okay. Good. And there you go. And then you just plan your route on your Expedition 2 on your um, on your tablet, your iPad or your yeah, tablet, you do, yeah. and then just save it there, and then just you save it. keep fetching it back onto your GPS yeah. unit. When you've Absolutely, got it yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, so, so those instructions will be in the, in the notes online, so again, you can work through those if you want to. Um, and I, I might even... Pinch those for a top tip on the newsletter, Ian. You know, wow, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is good. It, it is good, and I think well, about a year ago, it's as if the size of the so when you were in Expedition Two on my iPad, the the size of the web page I was looking at wasn't fitting correctly yeah. onto the onto the size of my screen. So it was as if all the folders and the everything just wouldn't work properly. But something's happened mm -hmm. either with iOS or with the design of Expedition 2 that now makes it work perfectly and it um, I must say John I almost surprised myself just how good it was yeah. it's good it's good <laughs> it is and yeah. why, why these days were a great great tool to plan your routes when you're on you're out and about on your tablet yeah. isn't it it's fantastic yeah. Yeah. so that's your sat map top tip for this month and finally we've got a little phoenix one as well um my watch is paired to my smartphone via Garmin connect but the weather doesn't update itself I saw that yes. actually come in this week or last week with some of you asking yeah. that question weren't they yeah as I say I, I mean Personally, I don't know how you find it with your watch, but I found for when I first got my Phoenix 5 uh, Plus watch, everything seemed to sync apart from the weather. And the only way that I could get it to update its update the watch mm -hmm. or the watch to be updated with the current weather was for me to open up the Garmin Connect app and then pair oh, it and then just press and, the pair. And then it just seemed oh, right. to, well, it, I think, because it was already paired with my smartphone, with my iPhone, it just picked up something and it updated the weather right um 
without me having to do anything. Um, but now it seems to be kept up to date really all the time. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think with the Phoenix 6, so this question came in from a gentleman who very recently bought a Phoenix 6. And I think it's the same sort of, well, it's the same issue I was having. Yeah. But I think hopefully in time, because I think the thing is, is that what we're depending on is we're, we're depending on iOS working, we're depending on Bluetooth, we're depending on the watch, we're depending on uh, Garmin Connect as well. So we're depending on lots of different bits of software mm -hmm. and hardware interacting with one another. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and generally, I, f I find that by just, you know, I have found in the past that by just opening up the Garmin Connect um, app on my phone uh, seems to yeah. update the watch in whatever way it needs to be updated. Yeah. Um, so it should be automatic. We know it should be automatic, but generally, an easy, you know, the quickest way, if, if it's not updating, open up the Garmin Connect app and generally you get the update straight away. Yeah. I find that a lot of thing with the Phoenix watches actually, you know, it's even sometimes I open up the app and, and it's not actually pair it's it's not syncing with it with my watch for whatever reason. I just I usually press the little green which looks like a washing machine at the top and it just yeah. goes around and syncs everything yeah. there and it gives me live yeah. heart rate on my on my on yeah. my phone and everything like that. But sometimes it just, just needs that bit of a, a push into life, doesn't it really? Absolutely. And I think though, John, I think not that well, I've even discussed this with you, but I was thinking this as I was walking around the house yesterday. But that actually, I know we're going to, you're going to have a laugh at this, but actually, although I actually haven't got it on at the moment, I said to my wife yesterday, because she's got a Phoenix watch as well, I was saying, I think it's really good having the Phoenix watches at this time, because we are generally as a society, it's good to see that we're still keeping up with our daily goals. Yes, that's right. And it is, it's a real incentive. Mm -hmm. I think it's a real incentive that, it, you know, these, the Phoenix watches and, and the Instincts, they, they give you the, the health stats. Yes. Yeah. And and I think it's re you know it's a real motivator at the moment. I mean, normally I know that in my life I would achieve my daily goals pretty easily, mm -hmm. but at the moment, you know, you're thinking, well, how am I going to get my intensity minutes done for the week? <laughs> I mean, I'll work it out, what you know, work out a way. But I think it's actually you know just for people to keep an eye on themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, just gives you that motivation. Actually, you know what? I've been doing this amount of steps. Where I go and do my one exercise per day, I'm going to go out and do my steps yeah. that I would do. And then at least you mentally also come back. And think, I've I've achieved what I was achieving beforehand, even though I've been in the house for the yeah. other 23 yeah. hours or whatever yeah. you've been in the house for. It's that motivation yeah. to. Yeah. And I think I've said in the past with with my watcher, I go out in the evening and take the dog for a walk, and uh, the dog gets an extended walk. If I have extra loops to do to get an extra thousand <laughs> steps in, because there's no way. I'm going to oh, oh, not hit my target. And sometimes yeah. I walk back and the dog goes, we go this way, we go, oh, no, we do a loop around here now. Yeah. And I need an extra thousand steps. There's no way I'm going to walk in that house without hitting my target. You know? so. But no, I think at the moment it is, you know, they, they, are, a great, they are a great health aid, um, if nothing else. Yeah. You know, just, don't, just don't have the widget uh, that shows the stress. Yeah. And that's the only thing. <laughs> Don't <laughs> play that one. <laughs> no, they are good. Yeah. They are good. Brilliant. So, thank you very much, Ian, for your Garmin, your Sat Map, and your Phoenix top tip. If you want to know more and get some more top tips, please log into our online resource. Go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. Click on the top menu bar, and then you can log in into the online resource, and you can select your, your watch or unit, and you'll see some top tips down the bottom. And finally, 
as I said at the start, for the near future, we're going to have a, two podcasts every month. So if you know any guests uh, that would be interested in coming out, please give us that. I've actually got quite a few people knocking at the door. Um, we might, uh, so I've got okay, quite a few people lined up who are all sat at home. So hopefully we can get them on a future podcast and make it quite nice and interesting. If you are being penned up at home for your, uh, for your for the majority of the time, which you hopefully are, why not go back and listen to some of the back catalogue of the GPS Training Podcast? Go back all the way to number one if you want to, and you have some chuckle about our first ever podcast, and you obviously see as it's progressed over the years into what we've ended up with today. Many thanks uh, for listening to us. If there's anything you would like us to cover in future podcasts, please do get in touch and let us know what that should be. And please do give us a call, especially if you're thinking about buying a new GPS unit. As I've said uh, earlier on the podcast, we're still in the office. Um, so we're still in the office our normal five days a week. So if you do fancy a, pod, uh, a podcast, a GPS unit, please give us a ring and we can chat through the various options with you. Please do look through both our webinars and online training that we offer. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on GPS Training Courses. Please do tell a friend about the GPS Training Podcast. And again, these might be walkers who are penned up at the moment who are unable to go out into the hills. They might be interested to catch up and get to grips with their GPS unit with some of the top tips that we offer in the GPS training podcast and please don't forget to give us a five star review on iTunes or whatever podcast provider that you're user um, just log in there and give us a five star review and if you can give us a snazzy review on whatever platform you listen to we really will appreciate it many thanks Ian for joining me on this month's podcast you're welcome John and from both of us, really, please do look after yeah. yourselves over the coming months and keep in touch with ourselves and hopefully you enjoy our few extra podcasts and the various things we'll be doing extra over the coming months. And thanks, Ian, again for joining us. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.